Welcome to Eat Me, Drink Me. I'm Mariah. And I'm Maddie. We're two very different sisters bonding over a common interest in food with a drink in hand. Join us as we pick a topic, talk about its history, nutrition facts, pair it with a fun drink, and delicious recipes. So today's topic is gin, my favorite. That is your favorite. Honestly, I wasn't a gin person until it kind of became your favorite. And then you kind of forced it upon me in a non-forcible way. You were just like in a highly suggestive way. And it's become one of my favorites for sure. I just, I, I like me a good gin and tonic. That's, I'm happy with that. Especially if there's a lot of limes in it, more limes, the better. So I could probably drink a gimlet and, you know, be the same, but I I like that tonic. I don't want it too crazy. Well, I mean, I think when you have a gin and tonic, a lime is just a 100% necessary component. I like at least three limes in my three lime wedges or three limes. No, no, three whole. (laughs) Like that's a gimlet. (laughs) I will say there's sometimes where Tom will make me one and he'll cut up the whole lime and just put all the slices around it. And I'm like, (laughs) how many do you think I need? And he goes, I don't know. You have some more if you refill it. So I will say, um, I failed this week when it came to Lyme. I meant to do it. I forgot it. It just, it's fine. Well, you made something similar to a gin and tonic, correct? I made a gin and tonic, uh, as my drink pairing. So I guess that's a good segue into that. (laughs) Um, so my drink pairing, I made a gin and tonic. I was originally going to do something different that I told you. But I ended up not doing that because I uh, messed up and used the ingredients that I needed for that. So I made something else. So uh, this week I made a blueberry gin and tonic, which would have been very good with lime, I feel. Yeah, a little Um, zest to those blueberries. Yeah, I I just want real simple. Lime juice in your fridge or anything? I have a lime. I have lots of limes. I just forgot to cut them up. Oh, it's too late now. Yeah, it's too late now. Um, so all I did was add, I mean, admittedly way too much gin to my, to my glass here. Um, muddled some blueberries, some, I did frozen blueberries, but, uh, just cause it's not the season for them, but frozen blueberries, they, you know, melt really fast and muddled well, yeah, those. And then the juice comes out really easily. Oh Yeah. And, um, yeah, strained it, topped it with tonic. That was literally it. But I, okay, I got my new fancy glass that's, like, tiny. Oh, I like that. Little one. How much gin did you pour into that? three ounces of gin in here. (laughs) Mariah, that is, like, a five-ounce glass. Uh, yeah, I'd say it's, like, a maybe six to eight-ounce glass. I probably did a one-to-one ratio of gin to tonic. So I brought the whole bottle of tonic down here so that I can slowly top it off as I drink it because it is way too strong. But I will say it's kind of hard to tell because I'm wearing a red sweater, but this is a really, really pretty pink color. Yeah, I, I was going to say it looks a little lighter than your sweater. Um, yeah, does the blueberries see. come through, though? Or no, because there's too much gin. Oh, I see it. That's pretty. Can tell it's pink. Yeah, yeah, I can tell. Um. It's like super, super pink to me, but yeah, I can't tell. Um, they don't come through super, super strong. I probably didn't use enough. Um, I, it's hard to, I mean, it definitely tastes different than just a straight gin and tonic. I wonder um, if you just simple get a little, syrup would have worked. Yeah, I should have made like a blueberry simple syrup or something. My original plan was to do um, either a blueberry or a cranberry rosemary gin and tonic because I okay so there's this place um here in town called the quirk hotel and they make the best gin and tonic I've ever had in my life and it's like a rosemary gin and tonic put some rosemary and gin so good oh my god I never want to go back I bought rosemary for it and then of course Thanksgiving just happened and that extra sprig of rosemary ended up in the freaking turkey's butt and I am really mad about it (laughs) (laughs) well you just have to try it again and we'll see that does sound good though a little 
like the oh. combination of the juniper berries with rosemary and all of that yes. and the citrus that's usually in some of the gins well, that's yeah. especially like whenever you include a sprig of rosemary as like a garnish you are smelling it as you're drinking it and it just adds a whole nother layer oh 10 out of 10 that sounds really good i i didn't want to go super creative super crazy with gin because you know there are so many ways you can go but just a simple gin and tonic is just mm, chef's kiss like so freaking good and actually i have um i heard you just say you're gonna throw in something but i was just gonna say i have a quote okay is that what you were gonna say no i want to hear what your quote is winston churchill once said gin and tonic has saved more Englishmen's lives and minds than all the doctors in the empire. Oh, it's, we'll get it's, into the why he thinks that then. <laughs> yeah, it's a big, big English thing. Um, I'm sure you'll get into the, uh, what is it called? Mother's Despair or Mother's uh, Downfall or something. <laughs> they have so many different names. It's so ridiculous. It's, it's, uh, let me see if I can find it really quickly. Um, I think it's Mother's uh, Mother's Despair. Mother's or... Despair. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, yeah, it's... Jen's a... Oh, no. Mother's Ruin. Mother's Ruin. There you go. <laughs> There's a TV show I was uh, I used to watch called called pause for dramatic effect slash i can't remember i think it's called the Durrells in corfu or something like that it's uh based on a book series but it's on a maddie i 10 out of 10 recommend this show it's so good you would love it um it's about this like really cute little family um it's a single mom the dad died and her like four kids yeah four kids um that are they're all british and um to kind of get away from the world they move to uh corfu greece and just where there's like nothing they don't have i don't even think they have a telephone they just like it's uh just a small little town very yeah i can't remember exactly when this takes place but i think it's around world war ii um but it's just so beautiful this show it's just the youngest kid so it's it's a true story or it's based where on a does true story. jen come in this oh yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> that's a big. tangent uh they one of the reasons that they move away is that the mother has like and she's british and she has an intense gin problem gin drinking oh problem. so they and try so to take her away from the, the gin they're all kind of like we've kind of gotten into this rut of just despair and just not great living situation like let's all just get away and just kind of reset um get away from mother's ruin anyway ruin. yeah it was a mother's ruin in that case so oh, but maddie oh watch it i think I'll it's have... called the Durrells in corfu if i can remember correctly but it's based on a true story the youngest kid in that show uh is the one that wrote the books Okay, I'll have to check it out. Actor, but whatever. But he starts a zoo. He's like a zookeeper kind of kid. It's he just starts collecting weird random animals, but he's really fucking smart. It's huh. so cute. It's so cute. I'll definitely and very dramatic and just kind of fun. Um, but it's British, you know. I love British. You know that. I Give know me you break. do. <laughs> <laughs> you like to water your plants on the weekend and let your cats have a roam around the garden. <laughs> I didn't really sound British that sounded when I said it. But it, I, I, that video of Tom reading it of just like, I like to water my plants, have a cup of tea, and let my cats have a wander around the garden. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> that was the worst British accent I've ever done in my entire life. I've watched way too much Harry Potter to have it be that bad. But that's what Tom sounded like when he did it. Oh, he Tom has a, really a high horrible British <laughs> accent. It's bad. <laughs> It's Ugh. so, so funny though. All right. Um, all right. Let's get into a little bit of history. All right. Okay. So I like to start with etymology because that's where we kind of have to figure out where we're coming from, where we're going. So um, the word gin comes from 
you can ominous there's so many different ones but you can either i would say it's either french dutch or english um they're all pretty much similar um it's yennefer basically um and it's yeah, I heard something about that. all derived from the word Jupiteris, which is Latin for Jupiter, uh, ju- juniper. So juniper berries, Jupiter berries, juniper. <laughs> so um, the liquor is usually approximately about 40 percent alcohol by volume or greater. And it's derived from grain distill- distillation and primarily flavored with juniperi, juniper berries. If there's no juniperi berries, there. Why do you keep saying juniperi berries? (laughs) I don't know. If there's no juniper in it, then it is not classified as a gin. That is what. I've kind of. uh, You might get into this, and please stop me if you do. But I heard something about how you can make your own uh, gin from home, just using like a cheap vodka and juniper berries and some other herbs and stuff. You have? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Um, They. I had like a bottle at world market and it was just filled with a bunch of herbs and juniper and stuff like that. And then you just fill it up and it was like four bucks. It was on sale and you fill it up with vodka and then it just, you know, was it good? Yeah. Um, I've heard I that it. like, um, sorry, I meant to mention this in my little drink segment, but I've heard that the especially when you have something like a gin and tonic the quality of the gin and the quality of the tonic make all the world of difference i don't know anything about gin or tonic uh so my tonic i can almost guarantee you is not good tonic i literally just got the polar brand it's like you know these see and i will say i am well, not usually citadel is that a good one it has a very pretty bottle <laughs> i've actually never had citadel um i think but... it's delicious but see, i that's don't all, know if that's it's all that matters like... if you like it that's all that matters in my opinion i will say i have never really splurged for the pricey tonic which i really want to do because i know i've I tasted know the difference difference uh well, you should would... probably ask wherever you go to get your gin and tonic what tonic water they're using Mm. there's no way it's like canadian dry or whatever like stuff you have it's It's just uh from the the gun (laughs) well you never know but so there are about 50 to 67 different species of juniper um depending on taxonomic viewpoints um is that why all the gins kind of taste there's like ones that are more piney and ones that are more, you know what I mean? Um, that's also, yeah, but that's also depending on what other uh, extra added they add to it. Cause oh. um, like basically it's besides juniper, you can, you, they often include citrus elements like lemon or bitter orange peel, but then there's a bunch of other spices like anise, um, like licorice root, cinnamon, almond, lime peel grapefruit peel like i've heard tea you can do tea like it honestly it's just a combination of a bunch of stuff and now that you know people have their own distilleries everywhere it's basically a combination of whatever they want um we actually have one in arizona i'm not going to name the brand but i do not like their gin and it does not taste like juniper at all um, Wait, will you, let's just give a two second pause, say the name, and then I'll edit it out. It's like, it tasted like tequila. Oh, weird. Yeah, it was really bad. Like Tom thought our friend played a joke on him and gave us tequila. <laughs> yeah, that's how bad it was. Like, it was just, I don't know what it is about it, but there was something I didn't quite like. But oh. again, if you like it, you like it. That's all that matters. Yeah, I I feel like that's, it's kind of like wine, right? Like there are some, you know, $5 bottles of wine that I like way more than, you know, $30 bottles of wine that I've had before or whatever. Like it just is. Yeah, there's $60 bottles of wine that tastes like crap and you get, like you said, a two buck chuck and you're good to go. So, I mean, it could be our, our upright, what is it called? Our upbringing? Our upbringing, I almost said our upraising. <laughs> our upraising, I like it. Um, but so 
The juniper berries are actually aren't berries. They're seed cones. Um, oh. It's just the type, they, they kind of cluster together to become sort of like a berry. Oh, has Cora decided to join us for this episode? Yes, yeah, she has. Hi, Cora. Um, and throughout history, juniper um, were, it was used for so many different medicinal reasons, which is why Winston yeah. Churchill said that it saved everybody more so than primary oh. doctors. So Jen's roots. So it helps them medicinally, but it, he said also their mind. So it could have been also just like, it was just get them a little tipsy, get their brain off of whatever well, is in the mouth. England has had some issues with Jen. They, they've had a lot of issues with Jen. Jen abuse or? Jen, Jen abuse. <laughs> yeah, I've heard. Lots of gin abuse. Um, so gin roots can be traced basically back to the 11th century um, with Benedict uh, monks. I might have wrote that weird. Um, I but you were going to say Benedict Arnold. <laughs> no, um, they, were, they were monks in Salerno, Italy. Um, and they used, um, they had their own still. Um, it was the Alembic still, which was invented in the 700s. So it's just like the still that everybody was using at that time. Um, and they used it to make alcoholic tonics. Um, and it was kind of like a juniper wine at that point. Um, like the Romans even used juniper. Um, it was in their kits during the Black Death. Um, their masks were filled with juniper. Um, and they were also made, like I said, they would make tonic wines of juniper for coughs, colds, pains, strains. It was a cure-all. Um, basically, people back then were like, oh, people actually like taking their medicine because there was a little extra oomph to it with the... That's why I was a little confused whenever you said it wasn't a berry, although I did read that somewhere else too. But um, I so heard that it's like an antioxidant and that it's like good for colds and it's good for coughs and it's like good for, you know, all of these things. And it's like- While a I'm talking, you should look up- a, Like a superfood. Like, you, while I'm talking, you should kind of look up what a juniper berry looks like. Um, yeah, I saw. They kind of look like blueberries, but they a kind of smaller, do, right? But like there's- yeah, it's very strange, but they're not considered it. They're called seed cones. Um, so depending on where you look, there is a, I, took, I wrote out my notes. I apologize. So I might be flipping. Um, so there was a, a physician named Francis Silvius de la Um And everybody- Hopefully everybody believes that he was like the father of Jen. Yeah, that's not right. There are many facts to dispute that. Um, okay, so it's so weird. Well, it's very interesting. I don't know why he's credited with it because it, he wasn't born until like the 1600s. So when was Jen first the Jen roots started, like I said, in the 11th century. So that's 1001 to 1100 BCE. So it wasn't just technically gin, it was just made juniper berries made like in mixed. You said that juniper like wine type. Yeah, it was mixed with wine or that or alcoholic tonics, whatever they're using, but they use that. Um so but mentioned as long ago as um as 1260s um when a Flemish poet Jacob Ben Marland did them. There's a lot of um, European names here. Uh, wrote in Der Natrin Bloom, which is the Natural History of uh, Natural History Encyclopedia, where he mentions juniper berries and um, kind of you know what people have been doing. Um, but the first record of mention of Genevere, um, Genevere, sorry, Genevere as a distilled beverage. Which is it pronounced like with a Y? I, I believe so. That's how kind of I was hearing it. Like Yennefer. I always, um, or sorry, not always. <laughs> I act like I've heard this my whole life. Um, I was listening to something and they pronounced it Ginevra. It might be Ginevra. It might Ginevra just be. Ginevra. Or so, uh, no, because it reminded me of Ginevra Weasley when she said it. 
And I was, but it was like Geneva or something like that. But that's like the phonetic spelling, but you, you're probably more accurate. I think I've seen it with both the G and a J. Well, it's the G it's, but I think it's Jennifer. You're kind of, yeah, you're right. Cause it does eventually become Jen. Um, but the first mention of that as a distilled beverage was in 1552. Um, and, um, that was, uh, I'm not going to even try to mention his name. Um, but it was just something that it was first mentioned then, um, sorry dude start typing your notes i'm sorry i know i'm so sorry um so in 1568 um to 1648 that is when um the eight year war happened um no that just makes sense that's a that's not the 80 year war Uh, yeah that was sorry that was totally wrong there um I said eight year war. It's the 80 year war. So there's quite a difference there. Um, but that's where the word, uh, the, the, the phrase Dutch courage got coined. Oh, I've Um, heard that. Yeah. And so it was basically either the Englishman drinking what is gin back then. Um, or they saw the drink, the Dutch drinking it and like they were able to fight and like continue, which is, Um, different like the gin back then is different from the gin now yes that's why it's the jennifer jennifer or whatever we're calling it um and it was brought back the englishman brought it back to geneva so geneva caught on and in 1623 is that when the spelling turned from j to g (laughs) no there was never a j um well actually spelled both ways yes no i i like i'm so sorry the Dutch word is Jennifer. It's got the J. And then the French is the J, G and the English is the G. So Dutch has the J. So that's where I think the Jennifer comes from a little gotcha. bit. And you um, think it originated with the Dutch? Yes. I've heard that uh, Spain, I listened to a podcast a while back about gin. Um, it's like Spain has like kind of a monopoly on juniper trees and stuff. And it's like one of the national drinks or something of Spain. Is that right? Or do you know anything about that? I actually didn't know that. So that fun fact, fun fact. <laughs> um, I, I think that they have like some sort of, at, at some point they had a monopoly on juniper berries or the tree. Are they called juniper trees? um they it's just the juniper it's a juniper yeah it's the juniper tree um so i wonder yes if spain had it but i don't i don't i don't know what i'm talking about right now i'm trying to recall from a previous like hearing a podcast you know from no i get that (laughs) um well and like anything it kind of spreads you know um they actually like like they actually um well it's kind of funny that we'll get into so uh, like i said um so geneva caught on they brought it over and um it was actually mentioned in of in 1623 um in a play called the duke of milan and it was just basically like a little thing about like gin in there um which i thought was kind of funny um but so the person that everybody coins that had originally put it, he would have been nine at that time when that play came out. And Jen is already being spoken of other oh, yeah. places. So he's just a child prodigy when it comes to alcohol. Duh. Yeah, apparently. Um, so he was a physician and he, so he obviously probably tweaked it and did stuff himself, but he, that had nothing to do with him oh so he like used it for medicinal purposes yeah and i think maybe, maybe it was that's just like what it was he was just like somebody that really got behind the use of it medicinally and so he was like the father of gin because he like you know yeah that's where i kind of think um so but so by the mid 17th century so you know mid 1600s um Numerous small Dutch and Flemish distilleries have been popularized and the redistillation of malted barley spirit or malted wine um, 
became popular with the adding of juniper, anise, caraway, and coriander. Um, so gin became really, really popular and um, around like European time, um, even more so, especially in like England and um, Scotland and Ireland um, during the Restoration and the Glorious Revolution, which was just you know, monarchy changing when William III and Mary II became um, the co-sovereigns of England and Scotland. That's the Glorious Revolution. Um, and because they were wanting to take away France's power, they charged really high taxing on brandy, which was usually what people were drinking. And they kind of made it so making gin in these places was completely like you, you didn't get taxed everybody was able to make gin it was basically just like oh. yeah a uh, a free for all kind of um nice. so yeah it, it was everybody was allowed to you know everybody was allowed to do their own um that's where bathtub gin kind of became a thing because people Wait, were just gin? yeah you've never heard like, the word bathtub gin no yeah, kind of. It's when people are just making, like, stirring it all in their bath, bathtub, you know, all the ingredients. Like the sink. Mm-hmm. Um, so with this became the gin craze. Is that like an actual dubbed thing? It's, it's dubbed a known thing. So basically from, from 1695 to 1735, thousands of gin shops sprung up across England and so that's gonna say when is this or where is this but okay England. yeah so this is like right before the revolutionary war yeah I'm just trying to think about timing okay so basically like in 1733 England consumed on average 47 million liters of gin or Jeez, 10 please. years if you go 10 years later in 1743 an average person drank 2.2 gallons or 10 liters of gin jesus christ cora <laughs> sorry um of gin per year how many was that 2.2 yeah 2.2 gallons or 10 liters per person a year okay so a gallon okay yeah it, it, i get it yeah, if I it's, didn't drink any other alcohol. I mean, that's kind of fair, right? Okay. Well, how, I mean, in a year, how much alcohol can one person drink, or does one person drink? Obviously, it changes. But I feel like if that's all you drink, biggest problem with that is just the way they were making gin. There was no laws during part of that time. It wasn't regulated in any. Yeah. Way. Um. So basically, was it dangerous? Kind of. Yeah. So between okay oh i didn't Sorry. mention this in my thing but maybe fun fact uh juniper berries are a diuretic <laughs> okay maybe hence that's that's a subtle hint that i have to pee <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe um so sorry i know i'm kind of skipping back and forth it just kind of gets crazy here um so i know i did a later dates there but we're gonna the first recorded word of gin like actual what we know of gin, the way we spell it, was recorded in 1714. And some people oh, believe, early. well, okay. some people believe that people were just so drunk in England and all these places that they, they couldn't say, couldn't say the word gin. They couldn't Ginevra. say Ginevra or Ginevra. 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 And so they just gen, gen, however they were spelled. Yeah. So they just said gen at the time. They, they just nicknamed it. It's like uh, this girl that I used to work with. Um, Instead of saying the word awkward, we worked in a restaurant and she would have like awkward, you know, encounters sometimes. Instead of saying that's awkward, she would say that's Aki. That's really annoying. <laughs> I don't like I loved that her at so all. much, but oh my God, that's Aki. Like maybe that's what they did when they were drunk. Yeah. And then, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. So like, it's just Jen. Yeah. So. At this time, like like I said, with with William III coming into power, it was in 1688, gin became basically a free-for-all. Like they 
they also really liked it. And the production of conception of Jen was popularized amongst politicians and even the queen at that time. So they had reduced taxes on distilling spirits and there was no license to make it. So um, it was more simple to have them in your house. So at that point, you know, everybody was allowed to distill their own gin and that the bathtub or like is a bathtub gin. So the gin craze is what they consider um, the first half of the 18th century. So anywhere from, you know, 1729 to 1751, Parliament tried to pass five different acts trying to control the consumption of gin because of how crazy it got. People were making it all over the place and it was great, but people were getting so drunk and just so out of control and it pushed, you know, prostitution and theft and murder and all of these things. And also the alcohol was killing them. Not everybody was doing it the safest. There was a lot of, um, well, okay, so this is gross, but like into 1913, I believe, um, the fact that they used turpentine in it was still in the dictionary, like turpentine, yeah. So it wasn't safe what they were putting in it. Um, and so it was just like combined with, yeah, like the murders, the deaths and everything parliament tried to get a control on it. And like I said, the first one was in 1729. It did not go over very well of them trying to like control it. They had a, they, um, there's a quote and it was like the principal cause of all of the vice and debauchery committed among the inferior sort of people came from Jen. Oh. Um, yeah. And like, we're a bunch of alcoholics and we need to chill. <laughs> yeah. Well, it got crazy. Like they, especially because there was no tacting. Everybody was allowed to do it. There was no rules. So whoever wanted to make Jen made Jen. Um, even so. And it was seven, easy. Mm-hmm. In 1736, they tried to tax retail sales at a rate of 20 shillings um, a gallon on spirits, which... I don't know what that means. I don't know what that would be today, <laughs> um, but it... Oh, okay. Um, and it required a license to take a 50 pounds, um, which is equivalent to 8,000 pounds today. So it got kind of crazy with people and it caused riots. People were upset and Wait, it. What? 8,000. I'm confused. 8,000 pounds a gallon? Today. That doesn't make sense. No, it was 20 shillings a gallon on spirits and required licensees to take out a 50 pound annual license to sell it, which is now about $8,000 uh, or 8,000 pounds. Um, I see. Which, yeah, about. I don't know, that's like $10,000 or something. And so it just, um, yeah, so they, all of these laws, they kept trying to put it in and people were rebelling and going crazy. And, you know, um, they blamed the health of the children on because of the gin and all of this. And finally, and that gin act of 1751 it lowered the annual licenses, but it encouraged respectable gin selling by requiring licenses uh, to trade from premises rented for at least 10 pounds a year. So they kind of got a little less crazy on that. And they kind of, you know, um, went, tried to work with the people a little was bit. Was that only if they wanted to sell it or was that like if they wanted to make it at all? Could you just like keep I think it was at home for yourself? I believe it was at all. I think they were trying to stop the um craziness. That's what I'm saying. They they put out five different acts at this time trying to control it and it didn't really get into control until 1751. Um a lot of people believe that it was not 
the consumption of gin was not reduced because of this, um, because of the law, but really because there was a rising cost of grain. Um, mm. So they could afford to abandon the production of gin and were able to like, you know, do other things because they couldn't get their hands on that grain. Right. Um, so the gin cra craze basically was ending at this point and they, the government tried to even ensure this by trying to um, temporarily ban the manufacture of spirits from domestic grain. So it's funny because they caused this problem and then realized how fucked up they went with just this free-for-all and they, you know, had to kind of get their stuff um, in check. So the gin that was also made back then, if it was made in a still, was made in a pot still. Um, it's usually sweeter than today's gin. Um, I think just the way it was processed. Um, okay, I'm going to sound like a complete idiot right now. And maybe this is for another episode, but a still obviously is like what you use to make liquors. Yes. But what, what's a pot still? Like, is it? So there, there's some, yeah. Okay. We can, you know, we can talk about this like in depth in another episode if you want. No, I know, but I don't want to, I'm going to double check something because I don't want to be giving the wrong. Um, they it's just the way okay i'm gonna actually share my screen real quick with you if you want to look so this is what a like pot still looks like it's just the way it is That's it's like a copper pot and it, yeah are they so, always copper i believe so um, I believe that's what it makes kind of it. looks like um, for obviously people can't see what we're looking at, but it kind of in a weird way looks like a chiminea or like something like that, but like in a really big version and copper. Yes. So the first, oh, that's not or right. like a melted Hershey's kiss. Yeah, so <laughs> I was trying to show you what the still they used back in the day look like, but I can't pop it up for some reason. Um, but this is the kind of still that they use today. It's okay. Yeah, that looks familiar, and that's not just for gin. That's for like all yeah, liquor. Well, that's stills are not just for gin. It's just no, how know, it is. I didn't know if maybe there was like different kinds used for different things or whatever. Um, I'm sure there is That's, some. We've been to a distillery before. Um, I mean, we've been to probably a few, but the one we went to in Sonoida, Arizona at, fuck, what was it called? Um, the one we went to with, oh wait, you didn't go. <laughs> I was so confused. I was like, when did I go to a distillery in Sonoida? I went with mom and Ryan. Um, oh. It's, so it's a vineyard, but they also have a distillery. They make... Oh, Leaping, Leaping, uh, Leaping, yeah. Flying Le Leap. Flying Leap. Flying Leap. Yes. Um, it was awesome. They had like little, you know, distillery cats to keep the mice away from the grains and stuff. And they were really cute. Yeah, um, distilleries are really cool. But it was awesome looking i'll have to send you a picture of uh what it looks so like so i want it scenes because they've I got a, like a full tour in the back and stuff i want to say basically most gin today is made with um column uh columns uh stills but there mm -hmm. is a company in england called sip smith who has made it their mission to make only like old school gin so they make gin out of the um oh cool out of the uh, yeah out of like, the old still still yeah which i think the is very still, cool still. <laughs> out of the pot stills um so with the gin epidemic ending um around the 19th century 
Um, there was also improved quality and a price race. Um, until, like I said, 1913, even in the dictionary, common gin was usually flavored with turpentine. It was turpentine. just added to turpentine, um, added to it or other places, sulfuric acid. So I'm going to send you this picture right now. Um, the um, way there are so many different types of gins and where like I'm going to say the Dutch and Belgian gin um, evolved from malted wine and spirits. Um, there was the old Tom gin at that time as well, which was a little sweeter and softer and it contained sugar. Um, and so in uh, 1826 um, to 1831, that's when the column still was created, which is what we now use. Um, and it was allowing for neutral spirits to actually be distilled practically, which is now where we have, you know, pure, good alcohol and where we get the London dry gin. So hmm. you go London. Okay. So quick question. London dry. Is that like a type or just the brand? Cause I know that's a brand, but I don't know. Is that like, it's a type also. So, okay. Well, we'll kind of get in, I'll get into that towards the end a little bit because there's different classifications like the EU, America, and Canada all kind of um, classify their gins in different ways. So, um, and during the time with the British East India Company, um, the army created the gin and tonic. Whoa. So, so obviously in India at the time, malaria was huge and um, they used to drink um, something called quinine, I believe. Um, it was an anti-malaria drink, but it was in a tonic. And because the tonic was so gross, it had a bitter taste, they often added sugar, lime, water, and gin to it. That's right. I heard that. And, and they had like, a it was a malaria. Juniper berries are like an anti-fungal, anti bacterial well, something well, that helped yeah. with that but it was like gross but what they were drinking was like the quinn i believe it's called um was actually for the malaria and then they just added the extra stuff in it for the like extra flavor so after that um you know there was all these other kinds that were being made to like Slow gin, which is gin infused with um, the fruit of black thorn. Um, people kind of just were doing their own thing at the time. There's also something called Pim's Number One, which is a fruit cup with gin um, and citrus and spices. That's still kind of popular today, I guess. Hmm. Um, so even in, you know, there's like the 1920s bathtub gin became really popular again during the speakeasies, um, mm -hmm. all of that. So it kind of, you know, exploded. Um, and as of now, there are so many different gins. It is insane. You like, I, I, I have a list in UK alone. There is over 1700 gins and that's crazy yeah in the u.s there's over 700 gins belgian over 400 and in the netherlands over 100 i read um, somewhere though that the brits or any of those that you just mentioned are not even the largest consumers of gin the philippines Actually, that is true. The Philippines actually sells the most popular gin. Oh. It, it, yeah, it's called Guinabara San, uh, San Miguel. It was created in 1834. And in 2020, it sold 31.2 million cases. Jeez Louise. I heard, but I read that they... Um that they consume around 43% of the world's gin. Wow. Yeah, that in the Philippines. Like, that's insane. 
I mean, okay, hold on. Let me read this exactly just to make sure I'm not messing that up. But according to the International Wine and Spirits Research Group, for many years, the Philippines have topped the table, accounting for around 43% of the global gin market. Wow, that's insane. Yeah, there's a lot. Like, it it is insane. And today, like I said, I, I know of pink gin, rhubarb gin, violet gin. Um, there's this gin... It, it's violet and it's beautiful and it's actually it tastes really good. Um, and gin like martinis, that is such a popular I was gin just drink. Ask if, um, whenever you have a martini, are you a vodka or a gin martini kind of lady? I like gin. You like a gin martini just because you like gin. I honestly don't really go for vodka. That's not where I go usually. So well, like, all gin is, is basically a flavored vodka. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just, I like it. I, um, like, it. I like it too. I, I, so vodka is just meant to be more, um, neutral. Right. Well, and that's so where I think I like the gin. The gin has like more of those like herb, not herbaceous flavors, but like those kind of earthy flavors and, uh, I don't know. Is that the right word? Like flowery no. kind no, of. No, I, I understand what you're saying. The piney, like you said, it has yeah. a taste. Whereas vodka, vodka doesn't really have no. a taste. Vodka should just be plain. And I, I, I totally understand that. Um, But so. I don't think I've ever had a gin martini. No, I'll have to get you one. But I bet you. I bet you that'd be good. Yeah. I just don't know how it would pair with olives. That's, that's, that's well, the thought in my head. So. I guess I didn't say this earlier, but um, you want to know what they paired gin with a lot back in the days in England? Olives? <laughs> no, um, they actually had some, they had something called the Frost Bears on, on the River uh, Thames. How uh, would I guess that? Hold on. And they, it was like a little fair where like booths got popped up and they would drink hot gin with gingerbread. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, I saw, and I was like, "Ooh, that sounds good." I Wait, can, I, a ginger gin drink would be pretty good. Oh, you! I was trying to find like a gingerbread Dang, like recipe. I should have made something like that instead. Well, we'll have to. We'll feature that in another episode. Yeah, maybe see, we'll do a ginger episode around Christmas time. Ooh, that's perfect! And then you can mix your new gin in it. Mm-hmm. Um. So you were asking earlier about. The different classifications of gin. So in the United States, gin is basically just defined as an alcohol that's no less than 40%, and it's got the flavors of juniper berries. Um, it's produced through redistillation of botanicals that can be added um, further, uh, can be further distinguished and marked as distilled gin if you want as well. Canada, um, they recognize Gin in three different definitions. Genevieve, gin, and London or dry gin. So it's basically how we classify ours too, but no, we just say gin. Um, The EU though has classic gin, which is juniper flavored spirits, including the earliest class of gin, um, which is, like I said, produced in the pot distilling um, and then redistilled with botanicals to extract the aromic compounds. Um, Then there's just normal gin, which is flavored, juniper flavored spirit, not made by the redistillation of botanicals, but simply added by adding the natural flavoring to the neutral, uh, neutral spirit. Then there's the distilled gin, which is redistilling ethanol um and getting it to really high and um the juniper berries and all of that is also added to that and then there's the london dry gin which again it's exclusively um from ethanol um with um added like the distillation so it's just how they're all distilled it's all kind of 
there's a lot into it, but they all must have juniper for them to be gin. London dry gin is basically the most common, I would say, because you get Bombay, that's dry gin. Tangeray is London dry gin. Uh, Tangeray is London dry gin. Um, you know, it's, but that's where I think that's where these newer distilleries are kind of bre- breaking away from it. It's just, you know, gin at that point with those extra flavorings and stuff it's not that dryness um there like i said today gin is very popular there's even a website called gin world and it's about um it's like a gin event it's a gin festival basically um where over 60 bars and restaurants um basically participate in the cocktail and focus on gin and, we you love know. a good festival on this podcast. Oh yeah, I, I like looking into them. They're they're very interesting. <laughs> well, because I'm sure there's so much in there. And yeah. like I said, I was kind of love an enthusiast. Um. Oh. Um. Here you go. I found this. I I don't know. I didn't have it written. But uh, 463 local gins are from Spain. So. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I didn't see anything about Spain in any of my research um I not that I did a ton of research this is your turn but I did listen to another podcast and they did say that in Spain a gin and tonic is essentially their national drink like but they serve it slightly different they serve it in like a it's almost like a light bulb shaped glass and they have more ice like it's more ice Dang. focused or something. I don't know. I didn't look into it, but I heard that in uh what was the podcast called? I want to give them a shout out. <sighs> They're called Savor, the Savor podcast now, but it was called something else back in the day. This episode was from like 2017. So they had a different name. I think it was called like Food Stuff or something like that. Okay. <laughs> if you search Savor podcast gin and tonic I'll have to look into it. I always like those. Um, but I know this has been kind of confusing. Gin is, it, the way, most of the history is coming from England and how they did that. Um, because the, like the Dutch, um, and they were, they were doing their own thing with it. Like it was, they, like it kind of, originated i want to say from some of that but uh, with anything i think if you had it people were distilling and adding things and it became you know that's where london became or or, sorry england became the craze or london because it was just a free-for-all at that time it got to a point you know anyone can do it um which is not the case for well you can make anything you want today too it's just whether or not you know what you're doing and if people are going to buy it. Um, but I found it interesting that I, like I looked on three different places and three different people credit um, uh, Francis to being the father of gin when it's actually not. So hopefully it was okay. I know it was a little convoluted, but. No, I think that was really enlightening. It's just such a good, I mean, you can't go wrong with gin, like, literally year-round. It's one of those drinks that, like, you can make into a really great summer drink with, like, some lemon. Well, now I'm curious about hot gin. (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't sound good to me, It doesn't sound good to Uh me either. But I, it, it's where we get a lot of our terms from, like, the gin joint or, you know, stuff like that, because... At a point, gin was not thought of as a good thing yet because everybody was just drunk in England from it. But, you know, we'll go with Churchill's, um, like, quote on it. It makes our minds sharper and we don't need doctors from it. So that is not what he said, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) He said gin and tonic has saved more Englishmen's lives and minds than all the doctors in the empire. Yeah. That was about right. That was about right yeah, there. Close enough. All right. Well, on that note, uh, should we take a little break? Yeah. Okay. We will be right back.
Well, give me some nutrition on the gin so we feel better about drinking it. Alrighty. So the gin's getting to you. I'm just really ADHD today. Okay. So gin, no surprise. It's not like a super healthy thing. Well, yeah, it's alcohol. It's not like, yeah, it's not like something like, oh, you're really doing your diet a lot of service by consuming this. Obviously, moderation is key, blah, blah, blah. With that said, the juniper I mean, berries in it are healthy. Yeah, the juniper berries are considered a power food. Um, they do have, you know, some antioxidants in them. And, you know, that aspect of it could really uh, do you some good. Uh, there is high level of vitamin C and some flavonoids. It can help fight against some infections, as you were talking about before. Can help with some with a cold or a cough. It's got yeah an antifungal, antimicrobial property. Some antioxidants. Um, yeah. Also, uh, I read somewhere, I don't know how true this is, I haven't fact-checked any of that, but um, it says that it can prevent against bloating and UTIs, which is interesting. That is actually really interesting. And I'm it's because it's a diuretic, and so it just makes you pee more often, and as, you know, Grandma says, the solution to pollution is dilution. <laughs> so, um, the you know more you flush out any of those toxins the less I'm likely trying to you think are. how often I have to go pee when I drink gin and tonics I mean you and I both as mom would say have bladders the size of a caper so yeah I'm just hmm. I don't know that we are really the best judge <laughs> oh that's fair um but so just like any alcohol though like you said moderation is key um but would you say it is healthier than like sure other I mean, it has those like kind of components to it there is something to be said for its uh ability to keep you looking young as you get older because of those antioxidants and yeah versus vodka where you just drink straight up vodka where there's nothing in it even vodka it's like probably one of the healthier ones but uh yeah it just really doesn't have a ton of calories it's a fairly low calorie drink so um I think it has 97 calories per shot so oh, wow really not a lot just depends on what you mix it with uh I mean tonic water let's see I have this one here for each serving it has 120 calories each serving is 12 ounces so I'm obviously not going to use a whole 12 ounces but um yeah it's a fairly low low calorie drink that makes sense it's not honestly a booze and nutrition facts aren't usually what you go hand in hand together so yeah I'm not going to go out of my way to say like hey I highly recommend that you drink this alcoholic beverage to increase your health or anything um but it can, yeah, help with some things. I mean, uh, some Your people mind. have said that it can help with digestion. Um, some people have said that it can help with aging. It just, I, yeah, it Winston used, Churchill says it helps with your mind. Yeah, it used I, to be a cure-all with the juniper. So I get that, but don't worry. Yeah. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go out of my way and say like hey go drink this, but I do think that it it does have its merits and it's delicious and um, so as long as it's in moderation, knock yourself out. There you go. I, I and you're over good, the age of twenty one. Eh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it depends on where you are in the world. Oh yes, that's true. That is very true. Well, a gin and tonic is actually parents are cool. <laughs> Is actually where we're going to go for um, our dessert this week. Dessert? I found a gin and tonic cake. What? Yep. So it has actual gin in it, um, as well as um, lime zest, which obviously brings in. And there's tonic water in the actual cake. Plus, you make a syrup made with gin, lime, juice and tonic water and sugar to drizzle over the cake wow 
Oh, wait, I've heard of cakes using like, uh, like a sugar water on top of the cakes to like keep them moist and stuff. Yeah, um, you, you usually do that, but this is an icing. So it's going to be like oh. mixed with powdered sugar too. So it's going to be powdered sugar, lime juice, tonic water, and gin to make like a glaze. Ooh. But, um, so Does it solidify well. I honestly, I haven't tried the, like, I haven't tried this one, which I am going to definitely have to do, but, um, I would say yes. It's all I guess about it's mixed with a bunch of other stuff and it's in a small enough quantity. Well, um, are you talking about the cake or the syrup or the, the icing? Whatever has the gin in it. Cause well, uh, okay. the gin is what so, isn't oh. gonna... You're right, actually. They do have a syrup as well to soak into it. So there's gin in the cake, there's gin in the syrup, and then there's gin in the icing. Um, I'm going to be in Tucson like two weeks after my birthday. So I think you're making me this as my birthday cake. Yeah, it sounds crazy. And with the icing, like if you have powdered sugar, you just add more. If it's too liquidy, you add more powdered sugar and you're good to go. So. Oh, that's a good point. And obviously will it's you, tested. Will you seriously make this as my birthday cake? Yeah, I will make it. I think I'll be in town either end of February, beginning of March, somewhere in there. And I would say, I believe your dad can have it because it has rice flour in it instead of gluten or instead of. Oh yeah, um, just make it gluten free. I don't care. Well, no, this one doesn't have regular flour. It has rice flour in it. Rice flour. Doesn't that make kind of like, uh, what are they called? Not a mochi cake, but like a. There's like those kind of cakes that are used with rice flour. What do they call? Mm. They're so good. I like them. Anyway, that's the point. So my second recipe though is going to be on the savory side. And we all know about vodka pasta sauce. Oh yeah. Is there what? a gin? Yep. It's a take on it. It's the exact same thing, but with gin. So it's a gin with a creamy tomato sauce. I bet that'd be good. Oh, yeah. Get a little bit of like herbiness. And then you mix it with like, yeah. And then you add rosemary to it and, you know, add a couple. Rosemary and gin go well together. You know, heavy cream. You got your tomato puree. Um, You add your gin. Obviously, you have to have some onion in it. And I know you don't like onion, but it makes it. No, I don't mind it in like a sauce or something. And so you blend it all up and pour it over your penne pasta or whatever pasta you want to have, but it's going to be a gin sauce versus. Okay, wait, um, I have a really dumb question because I don't bake. Heavy cream versus heavy whipping cream. What's the difference? Because I, I just used the rest of my heavy cream when I made mashed potatoes on Thanksgiving. But I have heavy whipping cream, but I feel like there's got to be a difference because they're called different things. They're basically like the same Can thing. I use heavy whipping cream in my sauce? Yes. Yeah. Because I have all the other ingredients. Yeah. They're, they're essentially the same thing. I think it has to do with maybe how much. Yeah. I'm double. No, they're the same thing. It's just how they're. Um, labeled and their stuff because you make you make who was you make, that cora it's penny didn't sound like penny um okay. sorry go ahead that's fine they have um you can make whipped cream with it it's heavy cream and whip, heavy whipping cream i believe they're the exact same thing they both must contain this like i want to say about uh 36 fat or something like that in them hmm. so I'm going to double check on that because that fact. They're just marketing them separately so that they can be. Um, Okay. Whipping cream, heavy whipping cream contains a little less fat. So if you don't have the word head, like, yeah. So it's just like. But I could just use them interchangeably. Well, so heavy. So I'm reading this heavy cream and heavy whipping cream are the exact same thing, but whipping cream is a little different because it contains less fat. So that's basically where that is. It's just heavy whipping cream is just a little bit 
that so ear. you could use heavy whipping cream in a sauce, but it would be harder to just use heavy cream as a whipping cream because it probably just doesn't whip as well because it's no, like you whip it. I, I buy, I buy heavy cream and I whip it. That's why I make my whipped cream out of. Oh, okay. It's, um, it's whether if you get whipped cream, which is like lighter. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I wouldn't buy just whipped cream and put it in a sauce that's got huh. sugar and stuff in it too. Yeah, no, but the, he- I, Huh. Okay. Labeling the sauce. I just bought some. I literally just need rosemary. Yeah, I'll, I'll post Send me it. The recipe. I will right now. You know, Jen, we've learned a lot. I I don't know. It's interesting what you think you know about things, and you know. Yeah, I definitely went into this episode thinking. Oh, cool. She's just going to tell me like how to make gin or what is in gin or whatever. I didn't realize that there was much of a history to it or controversial history at that. Yeah. And like, honestly, like controversial, but like, you know, problematic, I guess there was like kind of some issues there in the UK. Well, and I think it was just interesting because they kind of made that their fault. Like they, they were trying to screw over the French because they didn't you know, they didn't want the French to have their money. And this was so heavily taxed that they were like, yeah, produce this. We, you know, we brought this back, whatever. And if everybody can do it, everybody's going to do it. Like, I, I guess I didn't mention this earlier, but like they even had like gin, they would call like the gin lane where you could like see women just so drunk that they like accidentally dropped their babies over stairs and men just passed out on the floor and like wait gin lane like a street yeah it's a street where like because like jesus think about what was in it and children probably drank it and like (laughs) (laughs) on that note uh bye-bye bye-bye thank you for listening to eat me drink me if you like this podcast and would like to support us please consider donating at patreon.com slash eat me, drink me podcast. You can find us on Instagram at eat me, drink me podcast on Twitter at eat me, drink me pod, or you can email us at eat me, drink me podcast at gmail.com.